You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everyone. It's America. We're back for another session of In the Open. I have Teresa here with me. Hello. So today's session is going to be called Giving Love. So we're just going to talk about what it is to actually give love to others. The conversation so far that we've been having the last couple of weeks kind of lead us to this place of now what do we do and how do we explore giving our good, positive vibes and our love to other people, which can sometimes also be a struggle when we're learning how to love ourselves. Are you good at loving others? (laughs) Um, I think it would depend on who you ask. Which, oh, that sucks. That That's the oh, answer. Wow, what came in your brain? Immediately, it's so much easier to love and give love when there is no expectation. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to explain that to you. Okay, so let me tell you if it's vibing with whatever. Children don't, don't expect anything from you. They, you just, they just love you. You love them, you know, and everything's good. But like with a partner with a friend and when you're giving of yourself, if there's like this expectation, like, well, you should be a better friend. Then you question what I may not be doing to be able to meet that expectation. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. But I also, even with my kids, like Mm -hmm. I have more love or affection or patience when they're listening to me. So I feel like all relationships come with expectations. Yes, but I know what you mean. It's easier to love dogs. It's easier to love <laughs> my kids because I'm my body and my brain is making me probably to keep them alive. Yeah. And then there are people that just make you mad. <laughs> so in that way, it's a, it's a little different. I'm a bad love giver. Which is really funny because in my friend groups, one of my friends was like, "Oh, I I really always appreciate how much you take care of people." I was like, oh, that's interesting because I never thought of myself as the person who takes care of things, mm. but I do. I'll I'll feed you. I'll clean up. And and that's my love language is doing acts yeah. of service for people mm-hmm. or, or doing things. But I don't – I have a hard time seeing that as love. You don't equate it as love. You equate yeah. it as doing things. Yeah. Or sometimes automatic, like I'm trained, you know. I'm trained in a lot of my childhood to clean and cook because I was cleaning and cooking and taking care of everything when I was little all the time. So I feel obligated. (laughs) It's interesting, though, that you bring that up because I I give of myself in that way a lot where I'm doing for others. Mm -hmm. But when you when you phrase it that way, man, I give a lot of love. I do. Yeah. (laughs) Kinds of stuff. But I. I guess in my mind, it's just with with nothing, me not doing anything. Yeah. If I take that away, am I good at being able to show that I love you? And so I I do make it a very personal thing of mine to be able to tell the people that I love, like I love them, to actually say those words. You know, I love you. Yeah. I feel like real a real sign of my own ability to love is to do something I don't want to do. For that other person? Yeah, that I know. Mm-hmm. Like okay. if you 
if you if people have not heard of the love languages, there are like five love languages. You can look them up. But I I know that I really care about someone and sh- want to love them when I do what's hard. Like my love language is not verbal affirmation and touch. But I make because I love someone and I want them to feel love. It yeah. was really hard to practice other forms of love languages that I'm not used to to show this person I care about that I love them. And to me, that's like love. Like when you really care about someone so much that you're going to put your own self aside for a second and think about them Mm -hmm. and not just do what's easy for you. Right. You are going out of your way to find something that is a little uncomfortable, but also to, I'm going to say, appease the other person and love them in the way that they will receive love. That's really funny. I would not think appease. To me, that makes it sounds like, well, okay, good good person. I'm doing something to make you feel better. But that doesn't take a stance of that love, you know? Like, I don't do it just to appease. I look at this person that I'm it, – it is painful to me to say words. I do not like it. For years, three years before I loved myself – which is probably why it was hard for me to give love in this way. I couldn't. But when I do it, I can see the joy or the happiness mm-hmm. that it brings them. So, and then that gives me back, you know, good feelings. Okay. And so I think the intention behind what we do, when you talk about expectations, the intention of what we do, like, oh, I'm loving you to appease you versus I'm loving you because this brings us collective happiness or joy that is very different this is like an elevated feeling and you don't feel this all the time but if i really love somebody and i'm really gonna foster a good relationship with someone i think you have to have a good a good sign of when i'm healthy in my relationship is that we're doing more of that you know instead of the cold Teresa. When he's like, oh, you're just withdrawn. <laughs> I love it, though, because it's uh, it's very interesting to to frame it in that way. It is a little hard to focus in on moments where nothing is tied to my emotion other than me sharing my love for you in this way, mm-hmm. whether it's doing something for you or like you were saying, like physical touch or something like that. Um the five language, the five love languages are so important that when I started reading about them and understanding them, I was like, what? This completely changes how I should interact with people. And if you haven't read it, definitely go check it out. You can just Google it and find it. I am a, a person that, that is acts of service. I do things for others. And sometimes that means that I put myself last, which is a different podcast, but in loving someone else and showing love, I think one of the fundamental kind of aspects to it is in what you're talking about, one is being able to vocalize it and mm-hmm. learning how to say the words that have meaning for the other person. Yeah. When I was in high school, someone who was kind of someone I looked up to, a mentor, it's not a mentor, just somebody who came into my life was like, when you know you love someone, it, they they want to make you a better person. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense in the context of I also want to be a better person for them mm-hmm. and for us. 
Yeah, definitely. Because in those moments, it's easier to be angry or be selfish or to not look at your own faults. You know, look at how you're destroying something. And to to be able to really love someone else does require a bit of taking a step back from your own thoughts and your automatic thoughts and practicing that empathy thing. <laughs> well, the the other part of that too is we are we are talking about these relationships, our children, our our, our partners, and things like that, even our friends. But there is an aspect of that as well where you love other people without having a direct connection to them and, and being able to show love in that way. Whether it's like you volunteering your time and, and showing that to others without any expectation of, any, of receiving anything in return. Yeah. But I think that's also a way that you can learn how to give love yeah. and spread the love. Loving humanity. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm in my best self, I'm able to do that. Mm-hmm. you know, have the energy to do that and mostly not making excuses, you know, because I think that's what it is, is when you're not feeling well, you just make excuses for why you're not a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. You know, it's like, oh, I have a headache. That's why I was acting this way. Yeah. Or what your priorities are, like where mm-hmm. your priorities is something that you value caring about other people. And I don't think that Everybody would say, no, caring about other people, caring about my community is something that they value. We forget that the connection is connecting with somebody is what the point is, right? Whether it's a child or a complete stranger and being kind, right? No judgment, being able to give of yourself to others in that way. Yeah. Is What is this? Like the the loving others, you get something back, like you get that good feeling. Mm Mm-hmm. I think of when I've been in a bad space and I'm such a Debbie Downer. I hate that I can go into that space and inevitably I'm going to have some anxiety like, oh, I'm so down. It's true. Like nobody wants to be around that person. It's because when you are loving and when you give and you're stepping outside of yourself and there's probably something inside of us anthropologically, you know, from in our body, in our blood that draws us to people who are giving. I would say so. It's only especially hard when I'm so sad or so anxious that I'm in my own head. And so my mental illness is robbing me of connection. Yeah. I'm not able to love myself or love others. And then and then that creates a cycle, right? Yeah. Where I can where you can become isolated and then resentful. That's the really bad part when I'm resentful. Because that, that's that's where Debbie Downer also just turns into a jerk that nobody wants to be with. Yeah. I can get really resentful. Is resentment a barrier to love? Uh, yeah, a big one. I know. And I, I remember somebody, maybe it was like, I don't know, some podcast I listened to that was talking about how underneath resentment is jealousy. Like, I resent that you oh. have time and to, to relax or take vacation. And it's actually because I want time. I'm jealous. I'm secret. I'm actually just jealous of you. Yeah, because you're not able to then you are not able to set the the boundaries that the other person has set to be able to then actually employ yeah. that. Yeah. I'm gonna take a pause because you're thinking like all the times that I get in fights where I'm uh, I'm on edge or I'm gonna blow up or say something rude 
to my partner about what they're not doing. It's like, no, I'm underneath that is resentment and maybe jealousy. It's like, why do you get to do X? Yeah. When I go down that road, I, I really, really try hard to stop my brain from doing that because it becomes disastrous, you know, like. Oh, yeah. But I, I think you're right that resentment becomes a barrier to to giving love, essentially because you're not able to walk away from whatever you are holding on to, which then what you were saying, right, takes takes you back into a little corner you get backed into a corner and you don't want to give that up and yeah. you're isolated. That's why in a fight, we've heard everybody wants to give you advice about the things, but they're like, don't go to bed angry or, you know, I think that it's kind of problematic that we say that because when you're in that resentful brain space and your brain is just, I don't know for you, but for me, like when I'm in that corner and I'm in a fight, I can't step away from my resentful brain in that moment. I'm going to argue, which is what my husband says. He's like, you can't not say words. <laughs> you can't not one up me in this moment. I know what, what it is I'm reclaiming there, you know, but I think learning how to step away and take breaths and to ask myself, why do I feel angry? What is it that I'm resentful? What do I need? What do I need from myself? What do I need from that person is a skill so that I can come back and repair which is an act of love. But that's one of the hardest skills, I would say, in in learning how to give love. I think one of the barriers to that ultimately is the fact that what you were saying is like, you want to have like the last word or, or whatever. It's something tied to reclaiming, I want to say power in some way that you think has been taken. Like the And the power, I think specifically in fights is being heard. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. being understood. Yeah. I also think we didn't learn these skills. Like one of the things I learned from my therapist is that we are, we're so good at fighting because we see other people fight all the time. So I have lots of models for how to destroy a relationship, but then I did not have models for how to repair. And so I had no practice of repair, which is the act of love in a fight, that moment where you eat your words a little bit and you try to formulate that apology that doesn't yeah. just sound like, well, I'm sorry, but you don't really know why you're sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just say, I'm sorry without really taking a step back to say, okay, I'm sorry. And how did I hurt that person? Right. What was the action that I did to actually hurt that person? And a real apology includes acknowledging that you hurt someone in a specific way. And we don't, did you learn how to do that? I don't think so. Not effectively. Aside from like when you are a kid, right? And you do something, they're like, you should say sorry. You hurt their feelings. And you're like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're not really yeah. getting anything, that, anything out of it. But I think I'm trying to place myself in different experiences with other people aside from, from my partner where I've had to come and say, I'm sorry right? I'm sorry. And truly mean it, right? Not like, I'm sorry, whatever. But acknowledge that whatever I did, whether intentional or not, did hurt someone, their feelings, whatever. And there is a sense of humility there is part of giving love. And that maybe that's where the confidence and the loving yourself, because when you're in that moment of humility, if you don't feel strong, 
if you mm. don't feel confident, if you don't love yourself, there's a bit of drawing out of your bucket mm-hmm. and putting it into someone else. And if you don't have many reserves in there to feel strong yeah. or to feel confident, you don't have much to give. And so you're resisting, you're resisting right. the giving. Because you yourself are going to be depleted. You just feel there's a fear that mm-hmm. that there's nothing left of me. Let me think about this. Like, what is the fear that I have? I mean, there's a fear of like, what if I put myself out there and no one reciprocates or mm-hmm. – Well, I think you get into this other territory when it's not so much that love isn't reciprocated, but when you're learning, you have the confidence to be able to identify what it is that you want, what you need, right? And so you're building that skill. You're able to call it out and say, that that isn't good for me. I'm going to set this boundary. And when you give love and you don't receive whether it's love or, or any other thing that's positive to fill your bucket, then you get into this place of crossing into a boundary of an unhealthy relationship where you're the only one that is giving. Yeah. And, and when I think of that bucket that's being filled, like it can be filled with loving myself, mm-hmm. with other people loving and with other people loving me, mm-hmm. right? So if you're giving and giving and giving and then it's not being reciprocated either because you don't love yourself or love others – and others are not loving you, that 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 feels scary, especially if you're only ever filling it with love from others. Yep. Because that is an expectation we set up for ourselves. Like, oh, I can, I'm only loved if other people love me. And then if you're in a relationship where the other person is also taking a ton. Yeah. Then the pathway is even more fear because you don't have control or I'm just walking through this, folks. Like, I think that what you have held on to and in a really meaningful way is how we account for love, the balance of love that we have. It's not just based on how we are getting love from others, but really how we are ultimately, we have to increase that balance by depositing love of ourselves consistently. We forget that too easily when we struggle, when we're not in a good mental health space and, you know, the negativity just fills it. And then you're like, damn, I got to, I got to build that back up. And when we forget that it becomes so overwhelming that that bucket looks really empty. Yeah. Do you know this feeling where you know that your friends or your partners are filling your bucket, but you're not putting the stuff in your bucket? Like they're loving you. They're doing things for you. But you're not acknowledging it mm. and you're not seeing it as love. And so you never put it in your love love bucket to give yourself that strength to to like hold up when there's a fight coming, you know? Yeah. And that's another layer of resentment because then that person is like, man, I am giving to you, but you're not – you don't see it. Like you're not – Right, right. You're just You're like, not accepting. They're trying to like pop it in the bucket and you're just like scooching the bucket over just a little bit. Shoot, swat it out. You're like, what? That's not, that's not it. Yeah, yeah. I, I have done that. And I think that that has happened because, oh, that's a that's a feeling. There's a there's an expectation that if you do it once, then I'm gonna get used to it. Oh, that oh. You know, like okay. look, you've been able to do this and you've done it, and I feel so good. It makes me feel so loved. And then I'm gonna expect it again. There's something there. Yeah. Because 
I used to not like to say I love you because that was hard to do, first of all. But also I grew up with people saying like, don't tell me, show me. Mm. So then whenever whenever anybody told me, that's how I was swatted away. Like, oh, that form of love is meaningless. Oh, wow. I mean, isn't that kind of related to what you just said, right? Yes, it is. Yes. It goes. It goes back to the way that we have learned to receive love. And that way, then that relates to how we give love. Yeah. You have to receive love. You have to fill your bucket in order to love others. Okay, touch. Loving through touch. I mean, besides the fact that touching people can be horribly uncomfortable, you're laughing. I don't like to touch people. Your transition just cracks me up. Um, Yeah, I I can feel you that. I, I know that you don't like touching people or having people touch you. Right. So, I mean, there are many reasons why someone doesn't like touch, you know, whether something happened to you or because we're just not like some people just don't want to be touched. It drives their skin wild. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it does not feel good. You have to practice that, right? I don't know. Do you desensitize yourself to touch? I think so. I think you have to find safety and trust to be able to receive that type of love and receive it in that way, right? Under the under this broad umbrella of safety and trust. Because I'm not going to go to like a random stranger and be like, here, let me give you a hug. No. But even the practice. So I had to, I had to tell my brain, Teresa, sometimes I catch myself in a moment where normally I would just run off to the next activity. <laughs> like, I'm going to go do the dishes. I'm going to do this. And I'll look at my husband. I can tell he's looking at me. And I'm like, Teresa, <laughs> look at your husband. Walk over and give him a hug. I have to tell my brain to go do this thing that I'm not to build the habit of touching a person. (laughs) And then it got better. I did notice it was easier to do, maybe more aware of when someone needed that or felt it was weird over time. Was your, was your, does my partner like touch? Yeah. Or is that what you, yeah. I mean, like, so this is something that when they first do, because they have resentment, his first reaction was like, oh, oh, you're going to touch me for the first time in our lives? And you're like, <laughs> okay. And then I would get mad that he would, I would like do an act and hit, the response felt defensive. Right. And I, and then I, and now it took me time to, breathe through that because my automatic response when giving that which was hard for me was like oh that's how you're going to return or reciprocate or show but I had to acknowledge that that was his natural response to me not showing affection for so long right not respond with the immediate reaction of resentment myself and then definitely not to withdraw and just to be like in some ways that's an apology right like well that ties to what I was saying earlier it ties to this idea that once you receive, then I'm going to expect it. It's like you're showing me that you're able to do it, right? So then it's really hard for me as me being like your husband to say, I do want you to hold me. I want you to give me a hug. But then all I I know, like it's, it's going to be one hug a year. You know, like I also, I have to play with that and how that influences how I, I'm going to interact with you. So it, it it works really both ways. 
Yeah. So does the expectation that they're going to want more, does that prevent you from wanting to give? Because you're like, oh, I can only hug this person once a year. So I don't want to hug them because then they're going to want it more and more. And I know I can't give that. In part. Yeah, definitely. I think the other part is, well, I think it's tied together. It's like setting yourself up for failure or success. Mm-hmm. Right. And and yeah. like seeing the glass half full or half empty. Right. Well, yeah. in the example that you said, I can go and, and give my husband a hug. Mm-hmm. And he may be like, oh, why are you doing this now? Randomly, you know? And then yeah. it's like, okay, I'm I'm not going to react to his reaction. I've just done what I've done. And then the next time I'm going to give them a hug. And he's like, oh, okay, this is like twice in a week. That's weird. And you keep going. So you're building onto that. And it takes time. It does When the time. relationship has been in disrepair, when there's long periods of coldness and withdrawal, it, it's not going to look. I think there's a desire for it to just be fine. Yeah. But and it's not, you yeah. know? And I think it takes a lot of effort to sit with that. And that's what apology and what repair looks like. It takes time. When you said the expectation, (laughs) when you're going to want it all the time, it's funny because I thought about that when we talked about gratitude Mm. last week. Oh, yeah. When I started saying thank you or my husband was like, are you going to thank me? And I was like, what do you expect to thank you every time? And I was like, what the hell, dude? Yes, maybe that's okay. (laughs) You know? Yeah. There's just a lot of things, everyday little things that hold ourselves back from giving love. Yeah. There is this um there's this book I I want to say it's called Personhood by Leo Buscaglia. I don't know if you've ever read any of his work, but one of the things that kind of he hones in on is when you feel the need to show love, demonstrate that you l- love somebody, whether it's through a hug, a handhold, whatever, do it. Right? It because that in itself, you're you're following through with the need that exists within your person and your body to actually do that, and it's mm-hmm. good for you to do that instead of that second that second you know that you're like oh my gosh should I do this I don't know if I should do this oh my god is what's going to happen you know all that discussion that happens in your head move forward do it whether the reaction is good or not you've actually done something for yourself like practicing vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. And the opportunity to receive love by giving it. Yes. In my in my life when I've been especially cold, I think it's been I like you can get so withdrawn that mm-hmm. you forget what it feels like to give and receive love. And that that's been probably the hardest is coming out of that space. So I think back to when my husband was like you're cold and I think part of my narrative as a child was that we were also told that no one would care about you. Like no one's going to care about you in the end. Like you can only take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Society's not going to take care of you. Your partner's not going to take care of you, you know? And that was kind of a sick way of seeing the world because it ultimately isolated me from giving and receiving love. But I I was like, I'm going to take care of everything by myself. I'm going right. to. And basically what I was doing was communicating to my partner that they were neat. Like there was no need there. Mm-hmm. I don't need you. And that happens. Like, I feel like we still kind of teach this to people <laughs> in this weird way that confidence is morphed, like self, self-independence and confidence is morphed into this thing where 
it runs up against coexisting or like a, a a mutual respect or love. Does that make sense? Like if you're out there and you're just always like, well, I don't really need you. I could take care of myself. Then you're never offering up in a relationship the opportunity for your partner to be able to give love or that they are needed. And that's kind of screwed up. It is definitely true that whatever you learn from the beginning, you encapsulate yourself in this space of full functioning and I'm going to say independence and self-reliance, which yeah. you can still be self-reliant and give and receive love. But if you are consistently taught that you don't need to give or receive love, that's different because then it's tied to some need, okay, need in quotes, because it's like this thing that you can't really grasp compared to you knowing that you as a person deserves love. Mm. You see the difference? Okay. The way that I might have, it's like, is that setting up a false sense of loving oneself? You know, it's like I, in my brain, I'm pretending that my love bucket is filled, but it's only ever filled with the way I might set myself up with love in a fake way. So then like, are is it like my love bucket in my life was filled, but it was filled with some, a false sense of love, which let me function. It let me move forward, but it was not letting me thrive. It was not allowing me a space to really live life in, in the fullest way that I could give and receive love. I, I will say this um, in terms of final thoughts. Giving and receiving love are connected. So you can't separate the two when you're exploring what that looks like in your life. And I really like that you said to receive love and to give love genuinely takes vulnerability and humility. Yeah. And those are not things that we're very good at practicing. But we're learning. Well, because underneath that, underneath my vulnerability, my inability to be vulnerable and to be humble is fear. At least for me, like maybe for other people, it's something else. But you can't looking back now, you know. Fear and insecurity was what I was filled with. And those are those just take up a lot of damn space, dude. <laughs> like, you know? And and yeah, probably a big reason for swatting away love. Right. You gotta get rid of those in your bucket. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, we will continue to explore, I think, this theme and how it connects to others. Love yourself a little more, man. I love you, man. Thanks for being on this journey with me, Teresa. I love you, man. Love you, man. Keep on fighting in the open. Bye, everyone. And we love you all, too. Definitely. We love all of our listeners. We feel the energy. 